Hey, this is Manmade Mead. Welcome back to What's New with Mead. I'm excited to share yet another podcast with you all. This is episode number 12. Today, our goal is to talk about a sweet mead and how you achieve that. Uh, there's a couple different ways to get to a sweet mead, and I want to discuss them with you, give you some ideas, possibly, or you know, just refresh your brain if you already know them. So uh, we'll be talking about that in our, our second part of this podcast. Part one, I always start by telling you what I'm drinking tonight. And tonight I have something pretty special to me. This is uh, a Sap House Mead, or a mead from Sap House Meadery. If you've never heard of them, go check them out. They're a really cool company that does some pretty fantastic meads for one. But they also do this bottle club where you can, every quarter, get a couple bottles from them. It's a quarterly subscription, basically. And uh, I didn't do that to get these bottles. I just bought them on my own. However, um, I am drinking on their hopped blueberry mead tonight. And there is a, um, a full review of this on my second channel, Man Made Mead Extras. If you're watching the video, you're probably on there now. If not, you can go check it out on YouTube, uh, Man Made Mead Extras. But uh, I'm very excited to try this thing. This thing's fantastic. Um, I just did a review of it, and it has wonderful blueberry notes, very nice honey character, floral. Um, it's pretty earthy and uh, pretty fruity, too. The hops are, are not too hoppy in your face, but Again, I'll be sipping on this tonight, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm just excited to try some Sap House Meadery. And I have a bunch of other bottles from them, so that is pretty exciting to get to try those. So that's part one. That's kind of what I'm drinking, and, um, you know, hopefully you're getting uh, to try some good mead in your own world, whether that be the stuff you're making or possibly buying some commercial meads. Um, I highly encourage you to try some commercial meads if you've never tried any because that helps your mead making career for one to understand what's being put out there but two uh, you just get to enjoy some good mead and support other meaderies so let's get to part two of this podcast we are going to discuss now how you achieve a sweet mead there's again a couple ways to go about getting there and what I mean by a sweet mead is a mead that is sweet if you've ever tasted a sweet wine it taste sweet. There's no other definition, in my opinion, for the word sweet. The sweetness that we get from mead, though, often comes in the form of honey. And you get your um, floral, maybe your uh, fruity, smoky, whatever kind of honey you're using, sweetness in a mead. So let's first talk about kind of method number one that I would uh, recommend for you. And this is... Uh, Probably the simplest way to do it without having to go through any extra processes. If you want to achieve a sweet mead, you can take whatever your recipe calls for and add more honey than your yeast can handle. So for example, let's say that I am making, let's go with a traditional mead. I want to make a traditional mead that is um, 14% and... So I get enough honey to reach up to 14%. Maybe I need a gallon of water. I think 14% would be roughly about four pounds of honey. I'm kind of going off my head right now. And a Lauvin D47 packet. 
if I let that ferment out to that 14%, the, the yeast will eat up to 14%, whatever your sweetness is, whatever your gravity is basically. So what you want to do in order to get to a sweet mead without adding anything afterwards is to actually take and pour more honey in than that 14%. So let's say, for example, I needed that four pounds of honey just to get to 14% for my one gallon of mead. I will probably need to add maybe about four and a half pounds of honey to get above 14%, which would maybe put me at, let's say, 15 and a half. Once my yeast hit 14%, they will stop. They've hit their threshold. They have done as much as work as they can, and they stop. Leaving us with residual gravity, which residual gravity means residual sweetness. The um, range at which a uh, sweet mead... There are a couple, like, wine ratings of sweet meads, meaning, like, a sweet mead is between... Uh, I think it, hold on, let me find out. Okay, so according to this website that I'm using and looking at, a regular, just normal mead, or a wine in this case, will end at 1.000, leveling out, totally normal. A dry wine will end at 0.990, and a sweet wine, or we're going to say mead as well, is going to end at 1.005, so just a little bit above uh, leveling out. Now, the thing with a sweet wine side, one thing that people don't understand is that it is a lot, uh, it is really dependent on you. Everyone has a different definition of sweetness. And uh, it's hard to put, the, put it into a box because in reality, what's sweet to me might be dry to you or vice versa. So as you're making your own meads or trying meads, you need to really kind of gauge where you find sweetness to be. Maybe in our example of going past 14%, you actually have to add five pounds of honey to reach, quote, sweetness, in your opinion. And that's totally okay. But you're needing to find your threshold where you believe something is sweet. Um, and that does take a little bit of trial and error and trying things and, you know, maybe making a mead that's too sweet maybe making a mead that's too dry and having to, you know, do some alternate methods. But our first method is that right there, to put more honey in than your yeast can handle. Let me caution you with one thing though. If you do this, there is a little bit of a complex. So because our yeast are only able to handle a certain gravity, when you first dump them into that pool of, of must, they um, are gonna have a little bit of a culture shock because they're they're able to handle well i'll put it this way imagine that you can handle a pool that is a hundred degrees which is pretty hot um but you you know you're comfortable on that 100 degrees you can sit there for however long if that pool is 105 degrees and you jump in you might be a little less comfortable which is fair um that's the same thing for the yeast when if you were to get stressed in a hot pool the yeast are going to get stressed in a gravity that is way higher than that what they can handle but there is a way to combat this issue what i would suggest you do is take and back to our original idea we have one gallon of water maybe i put in 
enough honey to get me to 14%, which would be my yeast cap. As my yeast have, are approaching their cap, maybe they get to 12%, and you have a little bit of gravity left, maybe that's like 1.015, go ahead and add, um, if you wanted to add your extra half a pound of honey in that you've figured out, go ahead and add it then. The reason we do this is because at that point, the yeast have created their colony, they have uh, reproduced well enough to where they have kind of a way to battle, to be healthier. At the beginning stages, if the yeast can't reproduce comfortably and um, allow themselves to create their army well, they're going to be stressed out, which then you get weird things like fusels, um, bad smells, bad flavors, all of that stuff that you want to avoid. So there's something you can do if you really want to make sure your yeast are not super stressed out. Okay, if you're doing this with just a 14, you're going to maybe 15%, you're probably fine. If you're wanting a mega sweet mead, like you're wanting to go um, 0 0.03, uh, yeah, 0 0.030 0 points above the gravity that the yeast can handle, probably don't want to do that at the start. That would really stress the yeast out. So keep that in mind. So now let's discuss another way you can achieve a sweet mead. This method is a little bit different, requires some extra steps, however, um, it achieves the same result. You can let your mead ferment out like we had in our original example. Um, our mead went to 14%, we've capped out the yeast, and they're done. Um, well, okay, okay, I'll put it this way. Let's say I didn't want to reach up to the yeast cap. I want my 14% possible ABV yeast to stop at 12. Um, so let your gravity reach up to where it gets to 12%, which is about 1.09-ish gravity, 9.0 gravity, um, and let that ferment out. Then, when that's done, you're going to stabilize the mead. Now, there's a couple ways we can go about doing this. It, the first method I would suggest, which is pretty simple if you're using a smaller amount of mead um, or you have some certain things, is to pasteurize the mead. So you can achieve this by... Uh, I'm going to use an example of a one-gallon container first. If you have a one-gallon glass carboy, um, I would suggest taking that carboy, putting it into the oven at 200 degrees until the mead inside reaches 150 degrees. This is, I'm sorry, Fahrenheit, uh, for 20 minutes. So you want the mead inside to sit at 150, degree, 150 degrees for 20 minutes. That will basically fry the yeast, kill them off, and not allow them to be able to uh, reproduce or referment on anything. This really only works, that method works if you have a one gallon container, because obviously putting a three gallon glass carboy into, a, uh, into an oven is probably not achievable. So that's one method you can do it. If you are doing a bigger batch, let's say you have a three gallon, glass of mead, a glass carboy, excuse me. This is where it gets a little more complicated. You really need to have a way to heat up that same glass carboy. Notice I'm saying glass, not plastic, because we don't want to heat up plastic to extreme temperatures like that. It will impart some weird flavors into your mead. Um, you're going to heat up your glass carboy to 150 degrees again. With a three gallon though, you're going to have to be creative and find some ways to do it. And um, I've seen people do this with heat wraps where they get a heat wrap, they wrap it around the glass container, 
and they put that thing on they let it go until it gets 150 degrees it takes a while however that's one way to do it i've heard of people taking and boiling a big pot of water and putting something at the bottom so the glass is not sitting at the bottom same process heating that water up until the mead within actually heats up to 150 degrees um, that's a method i would not suggest pouring your mead out into a pot and then heating that up to 150 degrees even though i've heard people doing that i worry about oxygenation in that case uh, but some people might disagree so pasteurizing is a good method to stop yeast fermentation, allowing for back sweetening to happen pretty naturally. The other alternatives are to use some, what I call white powders, and lots of other people have called white powders. You can use potassium sorbate, which is a stabilizer found in lots of foods, and um, it basically just kills off any yeast it really slows them, that, them down, but it kind of kills them off. It kills off any yeast, making them not be able to ferment anymore. People often couple potassium sorbate with potassium metabisulfite, which is a preservative. The preservative, again, is something you see in lots of foods, um, is something that will allow your mead to last longer over time. And... This is a little bit of a debate because some people absolutely hate using potassium sorbate and potassium metabisulfite because when you use too much, it can, puts, it can give some off flavors in your mead. There's also uh, kind of an argument that in some commercial wines and you know, other things that that sorbate and metabisulfite are actually what lead to a greater uh, hangover, so to speak at the end of drinking your mead or wine or whatever you have. So there's a little bit of debate. Some people don't like using it. In my experience, I haven't had a lot of problems using it. It's been very successful for me. Now, I, I don't have any meads that are like five, 10 years old that are sorbate metabisulfite yet. So I can't say long-term results, but I've had decent success with them. And, you know, that's my opinion. So when you stabilize your mead with that sorbate, um, you can then add your honey in. In this case, you're going to take your 12% mead that you have, put your sorbate in after it's finished fermenting. I would make sure and wait at least 24 hours to ensure that the sorbate gets mixed in. Then you can put your honey in and add or whatever you're back sweetening with and back sweeten it. Now here's the thing. If you back sweeten this, do not bottle it immediately. This is because there is a chance, a small chance, that the sorbate doesn't kill all of the yeast, in which case that they can start fermenting again. If you put too much honey in the back sweeten and then you bottle and your yeast re-ferment, you are going to be left with bottle bombs. And bottle bombs are not fun. They are the easiest way to hurt yourself and also to have to clean up a huge mess. So make sure that if you put your sorbet in and then you uh, back sweeten, that you wait at least 24 hours, 48 hours, watch the container for any more fermentation. If there's no fermentation, you're good. If there's fermentation, then you've got some other things to figure out. That's an alternative. Um, the last one is probably my least favorite method because it just takes literal, literal time. This method is where you let your mead 
set for a year, year and a half. Everything falls to the bottom. You've racked it over probably five or six times now to get it off of all the sediment. By that point, hopefully if you've racked it well, you don't have any more yeast in that mead. Everything's settled to the bottom and it's not going to be active anymore. And hopefully if there are any yeast in there, they've gone ahead and died off. However, I have had a few fermentations that were a year plus that there were still some yeast in there. I put some honey in and guess what? It started uh, fermenting again. So the yeast were still kind of alive. They were just in hibernation mode and they woke up. So that's not my favorite method. Uh, can it be done? Yes. There's another way you can kind of help with that. If you cold crash your mead, which is where you take the whole you know, container and you put it into a cold chamber like your fridge to lower it down to maybe 35, 40 degrees for let's say four or five days. Most of the time that helps to clear up a mead because a lot of the stuff inside of it will um, fall to the bottom. All of the little particles will fall to the bottom of the, the container normally. And then when you rack off, they won't be there. Uh, also, it stops the fermentation for the moment. Uh, you can use this if you want to stop your fermentation for the moment, but I do want to caution you again that this is not a perfect solution because once the mead heats back up, if you add any more sugar in or if there's still sugar for them to ferment on, and they can, they will ferment again. That's not my favorite method. I would suggest pasteurizing if you have the capabilities to do so. You might not be able to, and that's okay, but that's kind of what I think. Sweet meads are really enjoyable. I've had a lot of great ones. Um, I've also had a few way too sweet meads. The thing that I know pretty well is that most um, most meaderies right now are making, not most, I, I can't categorize all, a lot of meaderies right now are making really sweet mead because it sells. And I think that if you go to your commercial, uh, let's say you go to your, your uh, liquor store, and you have mead there, you probably have some meads that are naturally more sweet than other ones. There are people putting out dry meads. There are people putting out semi-sweet meads. Um, but I think that, quote, sweetness sells currently. And that's not a bad thing. I don't want to knock people making sweet meads by any means. I just think that uh, a good market, we need to all be pouring into each category, dry, semi-sweet. Sweet into really... So we can understand what we like, but so we can also um, kind of hit every demographic because not everybody wants a super sweet mead. And uh, I don't, I just think that's true. I would love to know, maybe in the comments, maybe, you know, contact me via my email or anything like that. Have you made a sweet mead? Have I missed a method by which you can back sweeten? Because uh, I'm sure, I, I'm not perfect. I'm not going to even begin to say that I have... I know every method of how how to do this stuff. In reality, I, I know some, but I'm still learning kind of hopefully just like all of us. Even the brewers who have been around for 30 years can still learn something. And uh, there's there are a bunch of roads to the same place. And I think that's important for us to know. There's no perfect way to brew. We're dealing with a science and a science takes understanding, so you might have to do some research before you jump into your mead-making experience, but that's okay. It's all right to have to do some research. Now, 
Um, that's making a sweet mead. I hope you uh, have gleaned something from that. Um, again, I, I'm sure I could have missed something, so let me know if I did. My final part of this podcast that I always like to talk about is some sort of mead failure I've had recently and some sort of mead success. Now, some weeks uh, I have honestly huge failures and huge successes. Some weeks I have small successes, small failures. And this week was pretty tame, I'll be honest. Uh, I didn't have any catastrophic things. Last week I broke a pretty significant glass carboy to me and um, lost that money basically. So uh, I didn't have anything, thankfully, that bad happen. But uh, my, I'll start with my failure. So I, I've I had this failure before. I've, I spilled a bunch of mead again while I was racking, and that was mainly because I, uh, you know, I started watching, pulled up my, my phone, I was watching Netflix and racking mead, and the next thing I knew, um, my carboy was overflowing and I was mopping up you know, probably not a lot of mead, maybe a beer bottle's worth, which is still more than I'd like to lose, off of my floor. And this particularly sucked because this is summertime and ants are ruthless. I had ants everywhere. I have ants everywhere in my house. No matter how much I spray, they always find some way to get into my house. So I'm just fighting this battle to keep them away. Um, So I was dealing with that. That was kind of not fun. My mead success is I have been making more hopped meads recently, and I've been trying to uh, trying to kind of hone that in. It's really nice that I got to try this hopped blueberry mead, especially recently because I've been doing hopped meads, uh, because hop, hopping a mead really does add a new dimension of flavor, of mouthfeel. Um, it just it changes a mead, honestly, for the better. Um, not all the time, but at least in my case, for the better. So I've been hopping more meads, experimenting with different kinds of hops, hopping times. Um, it's been kind of fun. So I, I don't want to spoil too much, but I do have some hopped meads coming out in the future, and I think that will be pretty fun. Yeah. All right, guys. That's the podcast. Pretty short episode this week. Uh, I want to urge you all to do one thing that will really help me out. This second channel is where, of course, I post all of the mead reviews, all of the podcast episodes. Maybe you're listening on the podcast you know, app, whatever you have, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcast, all that stuff. If you will just go share, whether it be a video, the podcast, anything to help the channel continue to grow and also to help the world of mead continue to grow. And I, I don't even want to limit it to just my own videos. I would love for you all to go out and share a mead video. Find your favorite mead video and go share it. Whether you know that's that's myself or any of the other great brewing channels, beer, mead, wine, all that stuff. Uh, we really need to get the world of homebrew to continue to expand and that kind of happens with you guys. Uh, not necessarily, like, us making meads is great and I will never knock that. I think that's great. But I do think that unless you're sharing your meads, you're talking about it in some way, people don't really get it on the radar. And when it's not on the radar, it doesn't end up on the shelves. And we really need more meaderies to be able to grow and thrive like Sap House. 
or many other ones. So go share a video. Um, and I hope you'll hope you'll do that. So thank you all for listening. Thank you all for watching. I will be back in two weeks with another episode. If you would like to hear me talk about a specific topic, uh, leave it in the comments. I will gladly try and put it on my list of things to talk about, things to research. Um, I hope I'm being entertaining and educational within these. So yeah, see you guys in two weeks with another podcast or maybe on the main channel with one of the videos I post. I post twice a week, Monday, Monday, Thursday. And uh, yeah, so hope you guys have a wonderful night or day, whatever you're at right now. See you next time.